you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, a JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. You know, I'm not one of these guys, though, that is on the TikTok machine app. <laughs> but did you see over the weekend who joined that yeah, one? Yeah, I did, man. That thing went viral, didn't it? <laughs> Let's kick it over to old Dabo Sweeney, who he's got a little rap for us. Hickory dickory dock. The mouse ran up the clock. Coach Sweeney's got that drip, and now he's on TikTok. Whoa, <laughs> Hickory dickory dock. Dabo should lay off the rock. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. I mean, I know he's just joking around here, but if this is the personality he's got on these recruiting visits, uh, I'm, I have no idea. Well... I have a good idea how Clemson's getting these recruits because it ain't Dabo's personality. <laughs> Isn't it kind of crazy, though, just just the landscape of recruiting and how it's changed? I mean, five years ago, there wasn't even TikTok, you know? Hell, a year ago, people weren't really talking about it. So it's just you, you never know. I mean, we've got Saban down here firing up his email, and we've got Dabo <laughs> over here getting on TikTok with all the other kids. And, yeah, I, I don't have a TikTok either, but – I'll tell you, man, I'm in, you and me are in a couple of threads where they keep coming through, though. I've seen some pretty funny videos on those things. <laughs> yeah, you make a good point. I think the Nick Saban not being on Twitter, I legitimately think that's probably the last time we're ever going to see an SEC coach not on Twitter. And it's just because Alabama, Nick Saban is so good, they don't even need to be on it. You know what? I thought it would be funny if, like, he just fired up Facebook or something like that, and he comes out and thought it was a big thing, and he's like three social media things away. <laughs> he's out there high fiving everybody, got an email, you know, and now they're on TikTok and doing FaceTime. So, uh, yeah, that's that just shows you, man. These these uh, these media cats, these these recruiting. I mean, I mean, they got they got big rooms. I don't know if you've ever seen the behind the scenes of these recruiting websites or companies. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess you you call them companies, but they're 
part of the university. I'm telling you, man, they are on it, and they have to be watching every recruit, every player, 24-7, and then they alert the coaches when something comes up, you know. The social media teams at these universities, I'd love to do a tour. I, I think I bet it's unreal. Well, speaking of that monitoring, it's interesting you say that, Shane, because up in Lexington, apparently they're not monitoring it good enough because uh, <laughs> well, I know it normally is SEC football, but this was too interesting not to share. Oh, Kentucky – which I had no idea they were this successful at cheerleading. I didn't even know there was a national championship for cheerleading. Kentucky's won it 24 of the last 35 years, but mm. that dynasty might be coming to an end, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently there was an investigation over Pazing, and they mm-hmm. fired the entire coaching staff there, cheerleading, not Mark Stoops. <laughs> Mark Stoops not involved here. Uh, John Calipari <laughs> not involved here. But all the cheerleading coaches are out, and why we even wanted to bring this up, I mean, some of these details are, they're just bizarre. That's the best way to put it. And (laughs) here's my favorite one. Apparently they were, you know, these are all like team-sanctioned events off campus, thankfully, Mm -hmm. but it's still team-sanctioned event. Apparently uh, they were on the lake and cheerleaders performing gymnastics routines that incur- that included hurling their teammates from a dock into water while either topless or bottomless. <laughs> they even had a name for this. They called it the basket toss. And they said there was coaches present there. And then one of the other ones I thought was kind of funny, they said even during a specific trip to Tennessee, mm. some, of the, some of the cheerleaders were directed by other members of the squad to perform lewd chants, and wear outfits mm. that did not include underwear. And I'm wondering, what's the big deal here? This sounds like our... <laughs> when we we, missed a hell of, we missed a hell of a party, Mike. You know? <laughs> I think they messed up when they got down here in Tennessee, man. You think Phil turned on them? You know? Maybe caught made a few phone calls. <laughs> this may have been in reaction. Matt Jones, you know, kind of came out here against Fulmer. Uh-huh. Now now they're getting their, their comeuppance. Because Matt Jones, Kentucky oh, boy, Sports Radio... Hard. I seen about ten tweets from him about this cheerleading thing. This is a scandal, and now it's just retweets of these. Other, I'll say this, man: the the girls are in college. You know, the kids are in college. You know, I'm I'm sure maybe they're okay. You can't say every cheerleader was running around topless or bottomless. Right, I right. mean, I mean, I'm not there, but there may have been one or two or something like that, or somebody went streaking or something like that. And how you word it, it's just. You know, they're going to make it sound like it was just, I mean, I read going into this, I thought something really crazy was happening, you know, kind of like the, the Russia wrestling team, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm reading, I'm like, they just partying, Mike, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we've all been to college, we've all drank, we've all done things we wish we didn't do, but man, just to up and fire everybody now, unless they were buying it for the kids or something like that, that's the only reason I could see. Uh, you know, why? I mean, they're just cutting loose, man. Now, last thing I got on this, Shane, if you were part of the Kentucky gymnast squad, I think I already know the answer to this, though, but would you be the one throwing people into the lake or would you be the one high flying into the air with no pants on? I sure the hell ain't going to tell nobody, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you got a little snitch up there in the big blue nation. That's the one I'm, I want to see. <laughs> All right, I think we better uh, go around the league before we uh, lose lose all our go. listeners here. All right, let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the league. Uh, my my daughters said something about. 
me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up, and you should um, you know play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, top thing. We actually got a lot of news around the leagues, a lot of quick hitters. But before we get to that, I did want to make this note. Uh, This was first reported uh, late last week, the SEC presidents and chancellors from all across the league, so all 14, they're going to get on a call here, and they're going to decide whether athletes can return to campus by June 1st or June 15th. Those are the two dates they're looking at, but that's right around the corner, and this is just outstanding news because obviously you can't have football if you don't have the the players, you know, training and on campus and getting into shape and all these coaches have said the timeline for getting ready for the season is about six to eight weeks. And if they mm-hmm. return June 1st, they'll have plenty of time. Even if they return by June 15th, they're going to have plenty of time to hit that six to eight week mark. So this is just the latest news that football is going to be played in the SEC. This is terrific news. And we won't know till the tail end of the week, whether it's June mm-hmm. 1st or June 15th. But just really wanted to make that note. And it, it certainly sounds like the athletes are going to be coming to campus relatively soon. Dude, I'm excited. I think it's happening, man. You know, and uh, another event that has nothing to do with college football. I watched a little NASCAR Sunday, and they didn't have fans in, in the stands. And I'm telling you, it wasn't a horrible experience. So not saying that that's going to happen with football, but by the time – football comes around, I think this thing's going to progress enough where we can start filling the, the stands up with fans. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, that's an interesting point because I did want to hit on this here quickly where uh, for anyone that missed it, want to give this reporter credit here, Madison Blevins, WBIR Knoxville. She did a report late last week. And again, certainly we're not suggesting, you know, there's going to be limited capacity at these stadiums. We No one knows. Anyone that tells you you know, it's going to be full of fans or completely empty or they, they're they throwing out numbers. It's all guesswork. So don't believe anything you're hearing. But it was interesting, the work that uh, Madison Blevins of WBIR did. I just thought, uh, you know, her reporting was essentially, here's what Neyland Stadium would look like if fans had to practice the six feet social distancing that we're all aware of. And if you could only do it one person per seat, Mm-hmm. how many could fit into Neyland Stadium. And I believe if it was just that one, it's right around 16,000 fans, a little bit more. So 16% capacity. And then if fans are allowed to sit together, two people together, but everyone else six feet apart, we're talking 18,000 fans. And then finally, her last number she dug up here, if fans are allowed to seat three in a row with distance around them, we're talking about 35,000 fans. But you know, I, I just wanted fans to have that idea. Not saying any of this is the way it's going to be. Certainly hope it's not. 
But it it is interesting to kind of look at those numbers and just think about how different college football could be in the fall because you're looking at your schedule and you're saying, my God, we got to go to Tiger Stadium. We got to go to Tuscaloosa. We got to go to the Swamp. But all of a sudden, you kind of have to, if the season is weird like this and, and it's only a third of the fans or what have you, I mean, all of a sudden, home field advantage is just not quite what it always has been yeah. in the SEC. You know what? Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, uh, it. There was a couple of games last year could have went a different way if crowd noise wasn't a factor. I mean, you think about that Auburn-Florida game or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Florida-LSU. Uh, you know, those those games, I think, came down to crowd noise and, and affecting the quarterback. So this year, we're going to have a whole bunch of new quarterbacks. And, I mean, you about say that every year, but this year especially – and maybe that rattle factor is not going to be near as bad if you can't fill the stadium, you know. So I, I still, I, I mean, it's still May, you know. I kind of want to wait till July before we start hammering down what exactly is going to happen. But like I said, I, I think that it is progressing to fans. I just think by the time that football season gets here, uh, they're not going to have a limit on who can be in there. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope so because. Just hearing you talk, it made me think of another one, Notre Dame at Georgia. Mm. My God, what a, what a scene that was with the lights yeah. and just the crowd. And I mean, that's that's why SEC football is so damn awesome. That's why I love it. So I certainly hope that we get it, and uh, it certainly is trending in that direction. So let's just hope and hope and pray it continues to go down that road. <laughs> exactly. You know, what? absolutely, man. So many, so many great games. You know. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm reminiscing. I was thinking the egg bowl, you know, just how great that game was. And, you know, the crowd was just in it, but I think that was more of an even thing. So. Hell, I think they could play the egg bowl in the damn parking lot and that's going to be a a bloodbath. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, man. Oh man. It's just, it's, it's so close, man. We're like a hundred days away from college football. You know, we got to start our countdown again, Mark. Yes, sir. All right, first big thing of the day. Let's uh, jump on down to Gainesville. Where a quick note here with the Gators, where they've landed Mississippi State graduate transfer, Stuart Reese, offensive lineman. And I really love this pickup for the Gators because I think Reese is going to slide into the starting lineup and you know really help cement uh, an improved offensive line for the Gators. And... You know, this is a rare circumstance where, of course, Stuart Reese was recruited to Mississippi State by Dan Mullen to play for John Hevesy, the offensive line coach, obviously both now with Florida. So, you know, this is a unique situation where you're getting a player that is already familiar with the coaching staff and the system. And, hell, his brother is already on the Gators. David Reese, the linebacker, this is his brother. Mm-hmm. And Stuart Reese is a multi-time, all-SEC academic selection. So you're getting a very smart player as well. And, you know, I don't think it was really go- going the way he wanted at Mississippi State after Dan Mullen left. This is a guy that started as a freshman for, for Dan Mullen on the offensive line. So you got to figure that, uh, you know, things are looking good for him to start next year. And just another weird factor to this, had Stuart Reese stayed at Mississippi State, he would have been on his third head coach. But now that he's going to Florida, he's only played for two head coaches. So (laughs) it's really weird to think about. But I think the Gators really, you know, this is going to be potentially big news for the season. 
That's, you know, that's, that's until you, you build that bond, you know, Dan seems to have that bond with a lot of these kids that are on the team, you know, maybe not so much in recruiting, but once they get there, they fall in love with the guy and, you know, you, you miss that chemistry sometime, you know, that who knows Mississippi state, that may be the reason that he was there and, and now he gets to come back. And, uh, so I, I, that's great news. For, I mean, it sucks for Mississippi State, but it's great news for Florida, man. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that's played tackle. He's played guard. So he can fit multiple positions on that offensive line. And the Gators, I think if they're really going to you know, live up to the expectations, they got to be a lot better in run blocking. And that's Stuart Reese's game. So, I th- again, I just think that's a huge pickup for the Gators. Yeah. All right, let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! We got a little update here because baby Tua – Talia Tugavaloa heads to my, excuse me, Maryland. Maryland, not so fast, my friend. Oh, we had all convinced ourselves he's going to Miami. I just said it there. But, yeah, I thought that was pretty weird going to Maryland. I mean, it makes sense to a degree play for Mike Loxley. He's going to have to sit out the year unless he gets a waiver. And, I, you know, I mean, who knows about these yeah. damn waivers. But got some family up there? <laughs> They're an island off of Maryland. I would love to see the waiver where he wrote, my brother went to the NFL. <laughs> like That's why I should be able to play. Like, what? But uh, I just thought that was it. What's, what's your thoughts on uh, Baby Tua heading to Maryland? Uh, well, I don't know if you remember, man. I kind of hinted on this when he first left. I thought outside shot that he could go up there just because of uh, the Loxley connection. But I'm kind of surprised. I really thought Miami was going to be it. You know, because it seems like we always talk about – the family of the don't I can't say the last names, but you know the two is families, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just I don't know that you feel like they're going to go against the path or against the grain a couple of times, and they they never did. You know they always stuck together as a unit. So I thought for sure this kid would be bound for Miami, but uh, this is a surprise, man, young man making a name for himself. So we'll see how it goes. So I. I let me ask you, on the Alabama side, though, now that he's out of the picture, I mean, is is there a competition at all? I mean, I, I know a lot of people are excited about Young, but, you know, I, th- I think this uh, I think this quarterback race is done going into this season, don't you think? Yeah, because, like you said, everyone's fired up to see what this Bryce Young can do, but no spring, you know, a potentially a, I don't want to say a shortened training camp, because I think, I think it will be a normal training camp, but can you really cram the offense in and, and your continuity with the re- just the entire offense and just get going? So looks like it's, you know, maybe this transfer says it more than anything that this is going to be Mac Jones's team. But, yeah. you know, three quarterbacks, that's enough to get through the season, but you're getting a little dicey there because you got Mac Jones, you got Bryce Young, and then you got Paul Tyson, the uh, great-grandson of Bear Bryant. Mm-hmm. Those are the only three quarterbacks you got on the roster right now at Alabama. So, um, you know, hopefully none of them get injured. But, I mean, that's that's a position, obviously, where they're going into a season with outside of Mac Jones, who really doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, they've got none behind him. So yeah. that's an interesting spot to be in there if you're Alabama. And it, I don't know, I feel like we've been here before, and then Jalen Hurts kind of come, and, <laughs> and it, it was like, you know, set the world on fire. Then Tua comes, and he's even better. Yeah. I wonder if we're regressing now back to – it wasn't that long ago, Alabama. I mean, remember they just kept winning. They didn't even have a damn quarterback. Don't sleep on Nick 
I mean, there may be a chance that he brings in a, a recruit, you know, not a recruit, but a transfer. It wouldn't surprise me if he get reach into a JUCO just to build a a little depth back there, you know, if you've got the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. I think they might have to do something just because, just a dicey situation there. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's jump on down to Oxford. We got a lot of interesting news here for at Ole Miss. This is uh, not official yet; it's not confirmed. But Chase Parham of Rivals, first one to report this, season opener for Ole Miss against Baylor. Remember, this game's scheduled to be in Houston for the in the Houston Texans Stadium. They're moving it to Sunday, mm. so season opener just a day later. So Ole Miss fans, you know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those situations where, damn it, we gotta wait another day for Lane Kiffin's debut. But I think in the long run, this is a lot better for you because. You get kind of lost that week one Saturday. I mean, there's so many games. Everyone's fired up. But here you slide to Sunday. There's probably only going to be a couple of games on. I got to think this is a no offense to Matt Luke, but if Matt Luke's the head coach, I don't think they're moving Ole Miss to the Sunday night primetime game. I think they want, you know, Lane Kiffin's debut national television. I think that's better for your program. And, hell, uh, Ole Miss has got a cupcake the next week, so losing a day to prepare for, you know, Cupcake U is not going to hurt you on the back end either. So, all in all, I think this is a, you know, a hell of a move for Ole Miss. Yeah, no, that's – everybody's playing checkers, and, yeah, here's Lane playing chess. What was that – let me ask you about the Ole Miss situation. Uh, You put out a tweet there, man. He's saying sup to Southern Cows. What was that all about, you know? Ooh, well, that's the other bit of news here we had. With Ole Miss because USC, not South Carolina, but Southern Cal, <laughs> Ole Miss and Southern Cal announced a home-and-home home series 2025 at USC, 2026 the following year at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin Bowl officially scheduled, and that's a hell of a series there. And I've seen people, I knew it was coming as soon as I threw this out there that Lane Kiffin going to have an opportunity to face his old school. And everybody said, well, hell, he ain't going to be there. So, <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking. That's what I was going to ask you, man. Over, under. Uh, or what What percent would you put Lane Kiffin still being at Ole Miss in 25? Well, you can't put 100% on, on it just based on his track record. But yeah. I really do think, and maybe I'm just buying into it, you know, I've been known to buy into these coaches, so uh, this may be just the latest example of it, but I'm bought in on Lane Kiffin being a more measured and more toned-down coach. Right. You know, whereas when he was with the Raiders, you know, he we all know he didn't earn that job. I mean, yeah. Al Davis was, you know, he was that was right before he unfortunately passed, but he was making questionable, you know, draft picks and coaching hires and all this. Mm-hmm. And then – Tennessee, they I think they kind of reached a little bit, and you know he came in, he was this cocky guy, he was trying to rejuvenate Tennessee, and then he goes to USC and severely gets humbled. Yeah, I think what really humbled him was the fact <laughs> Nick Saban chewing on his ass for three years, and then yeah, even after being an outstanding offensive coordinator, I mean the only no disrespect to FAU, but that was the only job he could get. So I really think he's humbled, and I know he wasn't at FAU very long, but. Like I said, I mean, there's no comparison when you're talking SEC job and an FAU job. So, I don't know. Like I said, maybe I'm buying into the Lane Kiffin being more measured and more experienced, more wise of a guy. But I just don't think he's going to be a job hopper because I don't think the NFL's coming hit calling for him. 
And, you know, outside of an Alabama trying to hire him, yeah, I think he's going to stick it out with Ole Miss. And here's another one that fans, you know, I was responding to people on Twitter. They didn't think this far ahead, but there's so much hype already for a young man down there in Louisiana by the name of Arch Manning. We've all heard that name. Yes. The, the, the son of Cooper Manning and, of course, you know, the nephew of Peyton and Eli. And they're saying, my God, this guy was – Played on the fresh. He was played with the varsity. He was a freshman last year, the best player on the team. He's already being hailed as the next great Manning. Yeah, you know he's going to go to Ole Miss as long as Lane <laughs> Kiffin is there has got that thing rolling. Yeah, I really think that if you got an opportunity to coach a generational talent like that, I think that's just another carrot that's going to keep Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss as long as as long as he's a solid coach, which he's already proven yeah. he can be. I don't think there's any way that Arch Manning is going anywhere than Ole Miss. Yeah, and, and Ole Miss has it, man. You know, a lot of people have been down on him here the last few years, and rightfully so, given the record and stuff. But it wasn't that long ago, man. Hugh Freeze had this thing humming down there, you know. Now, was there some questionable off-the-field things? Absolutely. But don't think there won't be with Mr. Kiffin. And as long as they can get those recruiting classes coming in, and get this ball rolling, I think Ole Miss could be a popular, a fun place to be again. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, And who knows? If you can land Manning, then you could build a team just around him. You know what I'm saying? Because the hot train is – I mean, it's at 100 miles an hour with that kid. Absolutely. And, you know, if I know I keep talking about this kid. People are probably tired of me talking about it. But if John Rice Plumley, you know, continues to progress – they could potentially be going from Plumley to a Manning type. And, I mean, that's how you get that momentum rolling because the next John Rice Plumley wants to play there. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think it's a very exciting time for Ole Miss right now. Absolutely. Man, the running game. Too. I mean, they're just a young, fun team, man. I think Ely's going to be something. You know, I mean, they, they've got pieces on Ole Miss roster right now to be a fun, exciting offense. And I think Lane's going to – I mean, if he took anything from uh, uh, Saban, was he's going to play his stars. He's going to cater to what he does have. So I can't imagine, uh, you know, Plumtree's not going to be on the field. You know, I'm kind of with you. I, I think that he will be there. Um, and, and I know you said he was there. He, didn't, he wasn't at FAU that long. But, you know, he had options after that first year, and he stuck around. He came back, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I, I thought that meant more than just taking that first job, you know, because then he's just trying to work his way up the ladder. Him sticking around was, I thought, for another season, was the best move that he could have done. So uh, I, I think Ole Miss got a bright future down there, man. Well, next let's uh, kick it all down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where – Young linebacker here, Dante Starks, has been officially dismissed from the Tigers. And this was a guy that was already suspended from the team. You know, unfortunate incident there where uh, I don't believe there was any drugs involved, but I know he had a gun on him, and I don't think he, you know, had a license or anything like that. So he had already been suspended since February. They officially dismissed him. That's unfortunate for him. He's, he was an Under Armour All-American, but... Yeah, we got the national champs here. I mean, they're going to be rolling either way. Kind of hope that uh, Starks finds his way somewhere else. So just wanted to make that note. But some good news for the Tigers because four-star defensive back Kerry Gee, one of the top players from Georgia, commits to LSU on Monday. And who'd they beat out, Shane? They beat out 
<laughs> Clemson. So this is the second oh. time LSU's whooped Clemson <laughs> in a couple of weeks here. So I just figured LSU fans would appreciate that. And uh, all of a sudden, just with his commitment, LSU went from number 12 in the recruiting rankings to number seven. And they don't even have that many players committed at this. I mean, they, they do have they have a very high average is what I'm trying to say with the guys they right. do have. So, I mean, they are well on their way to another top five recruiting class there under Ed Orgeron. Lane Kiffin was down there for three years before everybody starts tweeting at me. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought he was down there for a while. Three years at FAU, man. That's that's pretty impressive. And not, not to take from LSU. I'm telling you, a lot of teams have been uh, – have you talked about Auburn recruiting yet? Man, them, it seems like every time I log on, they, they got somebody else. Yeah, buddy, let's jump over down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Because that was the hottest team of the weekend on the recruiting show. The Auburn Tigers landed four-star quarterback Demarius Davis. I really like this kid. Uh, he was, uh, won the state title in Texas back-to-back years, including one of them. I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year previous. He threw – there's a viral video out there of him throwing the essentially a Hail Mary touchdown for the state title. That was him. Ooh. They landed four-star offensive lineman Caleb Johnson. And then this is interesting. They landed Caleb Johnson's teammate, three-star offensive liner Garner Langlow. So you got high school teammates signed, committed to play for Auburn. They play for a powerhouse program down there in Florida. And then they got uh, a three-star athlete, plays defensive back and receiver, Travarius Dawson, really, really fast guy. Don't know what he's going to play at the next level, but he's one of these kids where, I mean, Auburn's just seems to have a pipeline to Florida kids (laughs) that are ridiculously fast. So Dawson's the next in that line, but all of a sudden Auburn, is jumping up the recruiting rankings, and they say they're not done. So, yeah, Gus Malzahn's got some momentum there on the planes, and if you're an Auburn Tiger fan, that's all you can ask right now because, you know, you get sick and tired of seeing these other teams do well in recruiting. <laughs> it's time to catch back up, and that's what Auburn has done just over this weekend. That's right, man. Auburn always has a burner, you know, just everywhere. So I, I think – a little more speed ain't going to be bad. I think quarterback's going to be awesome. I bet Coach Morris is pumped up and hope the kid likes to hunt. You know, they can go out there and <laughs> talk about what they're going to do this year. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited about the Auburn situation. I'm, I'm always down on them. Dude, don't get me wrong. I'm always going to make fun. I don't, I don't like Gus Malzahn. I, I don't think he's a great coach. But he's been making some pretty, pretty interesting moves. And I think I, even though – I can't stand Coach Morris. I think just letting him focus on the offense, I think that's going to help Gus to step back. I, I just think some of the moves that he's made this offseason are, are are methodical, and he's given it a lot of thought, and I think it's going to help this team overall. And, and, you know, I don't know about the recruiting, you know, but it's really been fired up here of late, and, you know, you get that momentum, you, ne- you never know who else you're going to land. So you saw it with Tennessee. You've seen it with LSU. You know, you just – you got to ride it when you're up top, man. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of Gus Malzahn, because I, I give been giving Auburn a hard time too on social media. It's nothing personal, but it's like I guess I just don't know – I can't figure the damn guy out. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. no one can handle Nick Saban as well as Gus Malzahn. And that's going to be his ultimate calling card as long as he continues to do that. He's going to have a job at Auburn, and he deserves one. But then mm-hmm. you beat Alabama, 
And then you turn around and lose to Minnesota in the bowl game. I mean, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) but that's coaching. You know what I mean? You got NFL players all over your damn roster and you're losing to Butch Jones, big 10 version. You know what I mean? And I just, uh, like I said, he's a hard guy to figure out. And it seems like when you think they're going to win the SEC, they don't make a bowl game. When you don't think they're going to make a bowl game to win the SEC. So, (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, that roller coaster's got to get a little bit more consistent for me, but hey, there's a good chance he shuts me up and proves me wrong because there's there's plenty of talent on that roster. There, if they have a bad season next year, it's not going to be from a lack of talent. It's going to be from poor coaching. Mm-hmm. All right, final team to hit on here. Let's jump on down to Rocky Tub. Balls are back. Before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we play's ass. Where Tennessee landed yet another commit here, three-star tight end Miles Campbell, number two tight end from the state of Georgia. Uh, really intriguing prospect here. He's really, really fast, really big, and this kind of fits the mold of what they're looking at here uh, at the tight end position under Jim Chaney. And why I really wanted to talk about this, uh, because now Tennessee, believe it or not, I tweeted this out, five of the top six recruiters in the SEC, according to 24-7 Sports, you know, they do their individual recruiter rankings. Five of the top six right now in the SEC are Tennessee coaches. And right near the top of that list, Joe Osevet, the new tight ends coach, who obviously, uh, as soon as this kid Campbell committed, you know, why'd you commit to Tennessee? The first name he mentioned, Joe Osevet, first-year tight ends coach. He's been serving into an analyst role. And I meant to mention this. I should have done it previously, but, uh, you know, when we were talking about Tennessee landing those two kids from Maryland, from the powerhouse program up there, two four-star kids, um, I've been told from someone on the staff there, the only reason those kids have committed to Tennessee, or not the only reason, but the, the main reason, I guess you'd say, Joe Osevet. So this guy's killing it on the recruiting trail. Uh, this time last year, he was an analyst. He was you know, he was a more successful Butch Jones down there in Alabama. But yet right now he's number two in the SEC in the recruiting rankings, along with uh, Derek Ansley's number one, T. Martin's number three, Brian Niedermeyer number four, and Jay Graham number six. But I know this isn't going to stand forever, but, I mean, my goodness, Shane, as our resident Tennessee homer, May 18th, Tennessee's got five of the top six recruiters in the SEC. <laughs> how, do you, how are you feeling about that? Got him right where we want him, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just hope that it does stay this way, but you know, it's, it's, I'm so bad at clicking on negativity. You know what I'm saying? I I keep, I keep saying, well, the class is almost full, you know, the, the, the star rating. I'm not so much worried about the star rating just because, you know, I, Pruitt has a long track record of being able to identify talent. I think we're going to be fine there. I, I think these folks, are, these kids are being picked on purpose, you know, that they have a purpose. There's a reason, you know, it feels like he's molding this team. So, but, you know, part of me too is it's May, you know, it's a long time till National Signing Day. It felt like we got a lot of this recruiting on the momentum. So maybe it's just the Tennessee and me. I've been hurt too many times, you know, and it's like John says, you know, just just waiting for the, the, the negative blowback here. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy. I would have been a lot happier if not national signing day was yesterday, right. but uh, you know, I'm just at this moment, uh, hell let's just run with it. I, I know there's a couple of other big, big players out there that we're trying to get. And if we can get those, that'd be great as well. Yeah. I mean, if it was, we weren't in the middle of this, you know, 
where there's no sports anywhere. I don't think this would have been that big of a topic, but with hardly anything going on, I know you mentioned NASCAR and golf's coming back and all, and there's MMA, but aside from that, I mean, the sports landscape is barren. So it just so happened that Tennessee just took ultimate advantage of that situation. The talk of college football, I mean, hell, and I think it, you know, while these other coaching staffs and whether you're talking Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma, whoever, you know, when mm-hmm. they're taking shots at Tennessee, all you're doing is, you know, putting more spotlight on them. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, that was foolish to do any of that. But you did hit on the fact, Jeremy Pruitt and his ability to identify and develop talent. Uh, this is a really great story that Jeremy Pruitt shared with uh, 24-7 Sports on former Georgia and Mississippi State defensive back Jonathan Abram on kind of finding this kid and getting him to camp and working with him. And, of course, Jonathan Abram now plays for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, a first-round pick. Let's kick it over to uh, Jeremy Pruitt, kind of telling the, the story of Abram's recruitment. Jonathan was totally different. Uh, Jonathan was a high school quarterback um, who played both ways. He played in a small school in Mississippi. Uh and basically went back there and just kind of stood as a safety, you know, and, and you know, and just kind of played from the middle of the field. Right. But you're talking about a competitor uh, that well, was physical, was tough, had ball skills. Um, you know, the one thing that I didn't know about Jonathan from his tape was how fast was he? How good could he change direction? Um, I knew he had ball skills. So the big thing there was to get him to camp. The one thing that's unique about Jonathan when he came to camp, he, he wasn't one of these guys that had spent, you know, two years being trained by a defensive guru. He didn't really know how to backpedal. Uh, all the drills were foreign to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't run a great 40 time, which I'm not – I don't get caught up in the 40 as much. Uh, sometimes if guys are track guys, uh, when they run a 40, it's, it's – uh, you know, it's probably close to being accurate. But if they don't run track, the start and all that, you, right. you, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. So you got to be careful a little bit with that. Uh, but I love Jonathan's makeup. Um, just loved his makeup at camp. But I will say this, he came to camp and I, I didn't offer him uh, after the first camp. Um, and I told him, I said, hey, 10 days later, we're going to have another camp, okay? You've never seen the drills that we've done, all right? You know what the drills are, okay? Go take 10 days and practice on these drills and come back. And if you've improved, I'm going to offer you a scholarship. Uh, I was telling the story the other day. His mom drove all the way uh, from Columbia, Mississippi, twice to Athens, Georgia. Uh, And when he came back the second time, you know, was he perfect in the drills? Absolutely not. But you could tell that it meant a whole lot to him. Uh, and you could see that he had the potential to be a really good player. All right. If, if that wasn't good enough, Shane, uh, one of Tennessee's commits here, Kamar Wilcoxon, you know, the guy that's been tweeting up the storm and leading the charge for Tennessee's recruiting class, he responded to this video and said, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's told me this story word for word. This is why I want to play for the guy. I mean, he just tells you like it is. There's, there's nothing – you know, fake about them. And, you know, I think little stories like this, you kind of see why Tennessee's having so much success mm-hmm. because the coach is so upfront and he tells these kids, you know, I may like A, B, and C, 
but X, Y, and Z, you really need to work on that. So right. to come to this campus, you got to work on those things, work on them, and I'll give you that opportunity. And you see a track, you know, the strong track record he's had with all these kids. And, I, I mean, I just think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle right now for Tennessee. You know, it's crazy how sports, sports have changed, man. I mean, high school, part, like half of us were really focused on the sport, you know, building, getting better. It's a job type thing, you know, but I'd say maybe 10%, man, you know, and those 10% got to go to the next level. Now, when you get to college, you know, it, it's, it becomes a machine and, you know, that focus, you have to stay. There's a clip that's floating around. Did you see that one of Eli Manning talking to uh, Lane Kiffin? I think uh, a pro mindset is, is really what you're going through right now. Um, when you're in the NFL, you know, once the season ends, uh, you're not allowed to have contact with any coaches until April. I mean, there's there's three months there where you are alone, and you're you know you can you can email the strength coach and get a workout, but you're required to kind of do things on your own, and you're retired to work out on your own. You're required to eat right, uh, to handle your lifestyle, what you're doing, you know, when you wake up, uh, to you go to sleep, and how you're spending your time, and are you using it wisely? And, and what you see over the years is that the people who are doing the right things uh, that don't take six weeks off before they start working out, but kind of just get stay right in, stay in shape, and then pick up the training as they go. Uh, the people that eat right throughout the whole time, the people that don't aren't you know jetting off every weekend and going to every party and uh, attending every possible event. Uh, those are the guys that that last in the NFL. They get it. They get that. Uh, it's what you put into it. It's your commitment. It's your determination. It's your desire and all those things together. And as you can see, here's Eli Manning. Guy's been in the NFL forever. And I, I love what he says. You know, it's like you you can't turn it off. Maybe that Abrams conversation that, that Pruitt had with him was the light. You know, like so far, like talent has got me this far, but it's not got me far enough. I still have to work. You know what I'm saying? When you get to that next level, some folks, I think some of these kids, some of these four or five stars that just been, you know, getting offers flown around the country and stuff, they, they take, they take their foot off the gas. And if they do, that may be the difference in starting and not starting. That may be the difference in a first round or a fifth round, you know? And I think that's, I'm not saying Pruitt gave him the fire, but he told him what to do. Abram goes and works on it, comes back, gets the scholarship. Now, he didn't go to Georgia. He ended up going to Mississippi State, but he killed it over there. First-round pick, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Knock on wood if you're with me with the Raiders, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> he he put it, and that's that's what I like is, is some – I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just I, – I, I like that you said that because if you look across, obviously, the SEC, I mean, they dominate in recruiting. They mm -hmm. dominate in exposure. And, you know, a lot of these – everybody does it. You get fired up about landing the five-star kid or, you know, an elite yeah. quarterback. But if you don't come in, this league will expose you, and mm -hmm. they'll, they'll do it immediately. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's – these coaches not only have to find – obviously the best players, but they've got to find the players that it's part to, it's got to be hard, impossible nearly to tell which high schoolers, you know, not which ones can play, but which ones are going to have that drive and that focus. And, you know, everybody wants to play in the NFL, 
but they got to find out which guys are willing to put in the work to get there. Yeah. And I think being up front with them and telling them what they got to do that way, once they yeah. arrive to campus, it's not like, well, my God, you know, you were, you know, tell me how great college was. And now I got to put in all this work. You know, you've got to get the, those conversations out of the way early so that right. when they come to campus and you're breaking them down and they're fifth on the depth chart and, <laughs> you know, they realize they got to do X, Y, and Z just to get into second string. You know what I mean? So, right. I mean, it, it's all part of it. And I think that's why we were talking Tennessee here, but it could go for any of these staffs. The ones that know how to evaluate and develop talent, maybe you don't always have to look at the the star rankings of their recruiting because your coaches are out there getting the ones that can play and the ones they know will put in the work because, you know, some schools, let's use Tennessee again as an example. Under Butch Jones, they're landing four- and five-star kids, but they're not doing shit with them. Whereas mm-hmm. Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, they could take a three-star kid, and by the end of his career, he's he's basically a five-star on the field. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's what it's all about. That's what you're still seeing from Pruitt, I think. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Abram, DeAndre Baker, you know, these are three-star kids. And I, I think he identified – and that tough love – I think is what makes him different than a lot of coaches. Like, let's just stay with that Butch Jones. You know, I, I don't think – I think Butch Jones would have went out there, saw the kid, said, yeah, he's fast, we'll take him. You know, three-star, I, I think he'll be great, a great asset on the team. And, and that, that's, I think, why the, his players never developed as well as as some of these other coaches, you know, just because sometimes you've got to be the bad guy. you got to tell them, hey, man – I, you're given 80%, man. If you want to make it in this league, it's got to be 110%, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm just putting pieces together. But. Other good examples of that, because I want to hit up the other teams, Jimbo Fisher, Mike Leach, Dan Mullen with quarterbacks too. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And that's why they're so damn successful, because that's the toughest position to evaluate and develop, yet those guys consistently year in and year out do it whereas hardly few others can. So, I mean, it goes for across the league, but it's an important part. And, man, we're just spieling here, but there's nothing yeah. else to talk about. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I, think right. That, I think that's all we got on this one, uh, unless you got anything before we hop off here. No, man. Uh, I, I'll i be a lot more excited when, when we finally do have some serious content, when we get a little closer. You know, um, I, I love getting these little – crumbs of good news and it feels like we're moving in the right direction it feels like this is because once this thing gets rolling it's like a train buddy once this thing gets going they're not going to be able to stop it and shut it down i don't think so so uh it's slowly moving and we're itching there but i I think that we're going to have college football and um i don't know Uh, we've i don't know where you dig up this content but i love it i'm really excited for because you know this is going to be coming you know, when football comes back and there's there's media days and there's, you know, interviews and stuff, you, there, you used to be able to, like, hold a mic or a recorder in front of a guy's face. But yeah. th- this year we're going to have to do, uh, if for anyone that knows what a boom is, uh, on t- you ever watch those TV and movies, you know, behind the scenes where a guy's holding a pole yeah. and he's, he's got the... <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're talking about because we're going to have to be five, six feet away holding a microphone, but... Man, I, if that's the way we got to do it, that's the way we got to do it, and I'll take it that way. But, man, I, I just can't wait for it. Yeah, for sure, man. That's like our buddy there at Pick 6 Preview. Uh-huh. You know, he put, he put up that uh, video of uh, Run DMC, mm-hmm. and 
Dude, I'd watched that video like 15 times. I could not believe how fast Darren McFadden was. You know, like he just had another gear against LSU. And uh, I ended up watching that damn game. You know, that's how bad what it called. I kept watching and watching. I'm like, well, who won this game? You know, so next thing you know, I'm on YouTube finding it and watching it start to finish. So I'm ready for college football, man. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate the history, you know, the, the of, of old football games, but I'm ready to make some new memories too, Mark. Absolutely, Shane. Well, that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. All right. Sorry about that. That's all right. She was keeping an eye on my farm simulator. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, where was I? Uh, you, were, you were talking about fans in the stands and then... Yeah, sorry. The harvester got full and uh, wheat and everything. So anyway, Mike. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't cut... I, ah, shit. All right. Let me try that again. Don't sleep on Nick either. I mean, I, it wouldn't be... Fuck, Shane. Drink you another. Yeah, alcoholic. <laughs> mm. All right, let's try it again, Mike.